Dear new mama, querida nueva mamá, from the moment life was conceived in your womb, desde el momento en que la vida fue concebida en tu vientre, you were thrown into the paradoxical world of motherhood. Fuiste arrollada al mundo paradójico de la maternidad, experimentando un espectro de emociones demasiado vasto para las palabras, experiencing a spectrum of emotions too vast for words. Joy? Yes. Concern? Yes. Bliss? Yes. Fear? Absolutely yes. Your mind swirling with questions in between the changings and the feedings and the sleepless nights. Am I enough for this most precious of creatures? Am I strong enough? Am I smart enough? Am I good enough? And the answer proving true the paradox. Yes, mama, you are enough. And no, mama, you aren't. You were made for such a time as this. Fuiste hecho para un momento como este. Handpicked to bring life into this world. Elegido a mano para traer vida a este mundo. To nurture and love, to celebrate. Para nutrir y amar, para celebrar. To shape a heart and mind. Para moldear un corazón y una mente. But you aren't enough on your own. You were never created to be. Pero no eres suficiente por ti mismo. Nunca fuiste creado para serlo. So breathe in and enjoy the freedom of that. Así que respire y disfrute de la libertad de eso. We have the strong arms of a father who also perfectly embodies and formed within us the very essence of motherhood. Tenemos los brazos fuertes de un padre que también encarna y forma perfectamente en nosotras la esencia misma de la maternidad. While the world sleeps and you are singing lullabies and tracing your fingers over squishy cheeks, the giver of life is singing over you, breathing into your soul exactly what you need to laugh, cry, struggle, heal, and lead this beautiful life into the next season. You are seen and you are loved. Eres visto y eres amada. Dear single mom, this probably wasn't in the plan, doing it on your own. Not something you would have chosen, but more than likely had to for one reason or another. The great balancing act, spinning plates, balls in the air, frustrated by thoughts jam-packed with all that has to be done but also proud of the realization that you are capable of so much more than you ever thought. God is a capacity grower and so faithful to allow us to float in the gravity of his grace when you feel bogged down by the weight of it all. Float, mommy. Breathe deep. Take a nap. Fold the clothes tomorrow. It's okay. You're killing it. Every PB&J every soccer game or band rehearsal, every Barbie car or Nerf gun, every flooded bathroom floor with overzealous splashing, every fruit punch stained t-shirt and every fry on the car floor is a testimony of love. It's not the grand gestures. You probably know that better than anyone. It's popsicles on a hot day. It's Saturday morning snuggles. It's bedtime stories, 
It's a refrigerator covered in abstract masterpieces that would make Picasso jealous. And while the world sleeps, and you quietly watch that angelic face that just moments ago sneezed into your mouth, <laughs> praying they grow and walk in the fullness of what God has for them, he is praying the very same over you, yes. his most prized creation, his daughter. You are seen and you are loved. Dear mom, minute turns into days, days into weeks, weeks into months, months into years, and moments into memories. The little boy who wrapped his tiny leg around your body, his first day of school, now has peach fuzz on his cheeks and gangly limbs that someday the rest of his body will catch up with. The same little girl who twirled around the living room in her favorite princess dress is now the queen of someone's heart and is standing before you in white. You may know, you may no longer kiss the scrapes and bruises on little knees, but you comfort the scrapes and bruises of the soul. You may no longer hold tiny little hands while crossing the street, but you champion dreams as your precious ones cross from childhood, adolescence, to adulthood. Somehow you simultaneously miss and long for the past, treasure the memories being made in the present, and look with hope toward the future. And while the world sleeps, You are awake and praying and interceding, hoping and trusting that every parenting victory nugget of wisdom imparted would forever be etched in their minds. And every parenting failure would fade like the morning mist being overcome by the new day's sun. Jesus is doing the same, interceding with you, for you, for them, bringing peace that surpasses understanding and comfort knowing your not-so-little ones are in the mighty hands of the Father. You are seen and you are loved. Dear Grandmother, motherhood never ends. It's a club with a lifetime membership. Long after the echoes of little feet running down the halls have ceased and the eye rolls of an angsty man-cub are no more. Even after this life you've nurtured with your own body has grown, married, and birthed life of her own, the marks of, other, of motherhood are seared on your heart, body, and soul. That freckle on your grandson's nose is exactly like the one on the face of your son. Your granddaughter mispronounces biscotti just like your daughter did. What a joy, what a treasure to see your precious ones teach their precious ones the same songs and stories and Bible verses, building upon the very foundations you built upon. What a joy, what a treasure to love and encourage and spoil the next generation and then send them back to mom and dad. And while the world sleeps, you remember those lullabies and squishy cheeks, 
You remember angelic faces and snotty noses, and you still pray and intercede because the Creator, the one whose love never ends, placed his heart in you, a heart that will beat for his children forever. Grandma, you're seen and you're loved. We'd like to take a moment to honor the mamas in the room. And so if you are a mom, would you please stand to your feet and come join us up here at the front? And if you're a mom at home, would you please also stand and have your your family surround you? And we also want to invite the women who are contending to be moms. If you are contending to be a mom, you come on up here too. Yep. Come on up. Come on up. My name's Liz. I'm the family pastor here at East Hill, and this is this is such a privilege and an honor to be able to to speak this blessing over you today. Keep coming. Keep coming. I'm a mom of four, and um, and so while I have I, I have <laughs> my my littles up there, um, but I've also been a mom who's lost, and I've miscarried. And I've held that tension of wanting and hoping. And so I want to speak blessing over you today. Whether you are already carrying in your arms that fulfilled promise, or you are still praying for it. You are still contending for it. Because your sister's here, we want to pray with you. We want to contend with you today. And so, um, family, would you just extend your hands out to them? And those at home, would you just, if you're there with someone, would you lay hands of blessings upon them as we pray together? Jesus, oh, thank you so much for these women who have gathered here, who have poured out their heart and soul in tears over worries, over concerns, over not knowing the right things to say, the right things to do, how to transition the kiddos, how to be present how to let them be independent. Lord, it, it is so difficult at times. And we pray that in this moment, our moms would feel loved. They would be blessed. That you would give them strength and encouragement when they feel weak. That they would feel seen when they are sobbing and crying because they don't know what to do. That, Lord, you would affirm who they are when their teenagers are telling them that they are everything that they're not. Lord, that you would provide them with other women who could be that tribe of support to speak life over one another. And we pray, we pray for the sister in this room and online who is still contending. Lord, we pray for open wounds. God, we pray for prodigals to come home. We pray for restored relationships. And God, that you would extend a bridge across chasms, whether we made them or not. We pray for restoration in relationships. And Lord, would you honor the women that are in this room, the ones that love like only a mother can, sacrificing, being present when it's hard. 
and continuing to endure. Lord, we love these women. We pray that you would bless them today. May they feel honored, loved, and seen. Amen. Amen. Thank you, ladies. Ladies, stay where you are for a minute. Let me, let me say this to you. Um, it, it is obvious, but maybe not for some. Um, there's a warfare aimed at you that is uniquely different than any other warfare aimed at any other creature that God created. Because the only way that an image bearer gets into the earth is that he passes through your womb or she passes through your womb. The devil hates the image of God, which is why he fights us so, which is everything that you see on our planet from racism to sexism to everything that destroys humanity. It's aimed at. That's why we say we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not aimed. It's not human to human. It's a devil that hates what you produce. So that's why it keeps you at odds. You can't even be friends with other women, competitors with each other. There's a warfare, body image, self-esteem, all of the things that plagues you is to destroy you. I learned as a husband that the best thing that I could do for my wife is not buy her a new purse, although she has those. (laughs) Not to get her new shoes, although she has those. Yes, she does. Because I couldn't control whether I could keep buying her things or not. Life changes, economics change, jobs change. What I realized I needed to be for her was her best intercessor. And that I would lift her up with word and deed and in prayer. And I've tried to serve her and bless her in front of my daughters so they would know what it looks like. And they would know how to choose well. Maybe you didn't have that. So I want to pray for you. I felt, felt like in this service, I should pray as well. Father, bless these ladies who may not have even had good fathers at times, much less good men to serve them. In fact, Lord, I repent on behalf of men who have hurt, violated, abused, abandoned, and rejected your daughters who did not know themselves, their identity, nor could they appraise these women correctly. So, Lord, bring healing this Mother's Day in ways that I couldn't even begin to articulate. These are your daughters, the apples of your eye. Lord, surround them. I build a hedge of protection around them spiritually so the enemy cannot have free reign in and out of their minds to sow his seeds into their intellect. Lord, you call your daughters away to yourself so they might receive the Father's love. We thank you for them. We treasure them. We celebrate and honor them in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, hug one lady before you go and tell her you love her. Um, This morning is uniquely special for me because one, Um, I have my wife and the grandmother of my children with me. Um, And also, we celebrate 34 years of marriage tomorrow. Um, I get a little choked up when I think about what you bring to our lives. Um, You are everything we need. Um, You're the strength. You're the heart of our house and our family. And um, you didn't know this when you married me, but... uh, and when you gave birth to three children that you're going to end up raising four, three children and a man. All you ladies can testify, yes? 
thank you for your love, sacrifice, and um, partnership in everything that we've done for 34 years. I honor you. Celebrate you, baby. You can't see. So you may, you may go home and prepare to sit on your throne. We will serve you, O queen. How many glad to be in God's house this morning? Listen, just by way of a couple announcements, those of you that have recently given your life to the Lord, or maybe you gave your life a while back, but you just haven't had a chance to get baptized, get on the website, get on the QR code, get registered, get signed up. We're going to have baptism in a couple weeks and love to have you. There it is right there. Love to have you. May 26th, get baptized, have your friends, your family there. How many know that's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to introduce extended family members, friends, coworkers who may not have met Jesus the way that you have to bring them to a service when you're getting baptized and watch what God will do in that moment. Amen. Likewise, we started last week, our Heart for the House campaign. We're going to get that roof taken care of. Can the church say amen? amen. And we're going to have our parking lot restriped and resealed and looking nice. I believe that the church ought to be an example and a lighthouse physically, geographically, spiritually, emotionally, practical ways. We are an example to our city. Amen. And so we want to make sure our property is up to speed. We are a debt-free church, and yet, because we have did that, doesn't mean we don't have household stuff to do. It's funny because I've, I've been thinking, you know, this stuff is not sexy. I want to build buildings. I want to do, you know, add different things to the ministry. This is just maintenance. Like, like Arlen in the next week or so is waiting for the sun to come out, and he's got to put a roof on. How many know nobody wants to spend money on a roof? You want to spend money on a vacation, on a boat. Hello, somebody. So I want to do different things in ministry, but there's certain things that just must be done to keep the house running well and in order. And so that's part of it. We're believing God for $350,000 above the tithes and offering by July 20, uh, 31st to get that done. We want to pay cash. Say cash. cash. Touch your neighbor. Say no debt. Tell them right now. Not going into debt for it. We're believing God. Amen. So you pray, seek the Lord, and we'll report to you each week as we go. So listen, I want to start a new series this morning, and um, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and so we've we spent some time, a lot of time, on Wednesday night praying specifically for mental health. Is anybody in your family plagued, or you yourself plagued with mental health at all, like myself, that struggles maybe with seasonal depression or depression or anxiety? We want you to know that this is not a church where we're afraid to talk about it, and it's an issue in my life that I'm wrestling with, vitamin D, the happy light, all the stuff that I'm doing to try to get through these dull gray winters. Come on, somebody. Anybody want to see the sunshine again? Man, the Lord, come on. Uh, We live in the Pacific Northwest, so there's a grace to do so, but there's also a cost associated with that. A lot of people struggle in that way like me. And uh, we want you to know that there are resources. Get on the QR code and the seat back in front of you. We have a ton of resources. If it's trauma, if it's anxiety, if it's suicide, whatever it is, we got a connection point for you to take the next step. You are not alone. We love you and value you. So with that being said, we're starting a series called The Mind of Christ. Say The Mind of Christ. That's a different mind than our minds. The mind of Christ, if you think about it for a minute, uh, and Paul talked about this in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 in reference to talking about Jesus. He said, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. And he begins to talk about Jesus as a servant and preferring others above yourself and that type of thing. So there's a mentality that Jesus had. There's a mindset that Jesus had, a thought process that Jesus had that we can have. 
And he also wrote in second in first Corinthians chapter two, that you and I, that nobody knows the mind of God except the spirit of God. And then he says, but you have the mind of Christ. That means if you've got the mind of Christ, how many know that you shouldn't be saying, I think I'm going to go crazy today. These kids are driving me nuts. No, 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 no. You have the mind of Christ. You have a well-ordered, peaceful, joy-filled, faith-filled, stable, sound, disciplined, consistent, focused mind. Say amen. amen. Now, your mind may not look like that on a daily basis. Come on. But that's why it's important for you to master certain things like daily devotions and having worship in your house. I, I was in the Marine Corps for 10 years and I was telling somebody this in the foyer that, that I saw some things that were traumatic. Let's just uh, suffice to say that. In one period of time, I could not get to sleep at night. Every time I would close my eyes, I would see the image, it would flash or I would sleep for an hour and I have a nightmare and wake up. And I realized that my mind was at work even when I was trying to sleep. Anybody ever tried to sleep and your mind won't shut up, won't shut off? And I realized that there were certain things that I needed to do practically, say practically. We want everything in church to be spiritual and magical and you just turn around seven times and you get out of debt. Not if you don't cut your credit cards up. Not if you keep charging. I mean, no, it's not magic. God's not going to come down and just magically will you to have his mind. And the devil is not going to get out of the way and not bring anxiety and anxious things into your life. You're going to have to do some practical things, intentional, and they have to become habitual in your life in order for them to have effect. How many of you realize it's good to go to the gym? It's good for your health, your heart, every part of you. But it takes what? We don't like that word. Look at this, like discipline. Like it's the D word. Like, like some of you don't even like discipline when it comes to your kids because the D word carried abuse with it when you were coming up. So you can't identify discipline as love because for you, discipline wasn't love. And yet God disciplines his children. You should discipline yours. Okay, I'm going to find something you like. Hold on. Because if you don't, the system will eventually. That's what my grandmother used to tell me. She said, if I don't, the, the system will, baby. So come here. It's going to hurt me more. It's going to hurt you. How did you know that's the foolish stuff, right? So I, the title of this message is Head First. Say Head First. Ladies, you know that if in a natural pregnancy, if everything goes well, you don't need a C-section, you're able to give birth, the baby, if it's in the right position, comes out. You, likewise, have to come out of all you've experienced, all that you've gone through, all that you've seen, all that's happened to you, all that's transpired, everything that's gone through. In order for you to get out of that, that mentality, that way of life, in order for you to come out, you got to come out head first. That means the way you think about God, yourself, and others has got to be transformed. It's funny because, listen, I grew up in the inner city of Baltimore, right, on the east side of Baltimore. And anytime there was a political uh, uh, election coming up, right, they would, they would, the, the political parties would get together. And well, I don't know how they do it, these pundits or, or these platforms, the ideologies, whatever they did. But anyway, there would be one that there was two things you could always get in the inner city, low income housing and be tough on crime. And so what would happen to 
political party would get up, whoever he was, would say, we're going to be tough on crime and we're going to deal with low income housing. We're going to have quality housing for all of our citizens. So those of us that lived in low housing projects and different things called the ghetto would be moved sometimes out of those homes into a temporary place while they fixed and refurbished all of those old houses. Anybody, I see people shaking their head like, yep, I lived through that, right? So they move you over here fix up everything. The political guy would get elected and say, look, look what we've done. Got you. Then we would move back into those places. And how many of you know, within two short years, it would be dilapidated all over again, just like it had been the two previous years. You know why? Because the ghetto is not a place. It's a mentality. Because they didn't see themselves as deserving anything quality or good. They didn't see themselves as ever being able to make their way out. Some of us as black people still have a hangover from slavery. Still have a slave's mentality looking at everybody like we're a victim and we're held down and we're oppressed. Not if you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're the head and not the tail, above and not belief. You're more than your ethnicity. You're a child of God. Oh, yes. So we got to come out head first. I wonder if anybody in here is frustrated looking at your life, seeing it, seeing your experiences in life relationally, financially, uh, vocationally, in circular patterns. Find yourself recycling the same experience, dating the same person, having the same issues. I'm at a different church and I got the same issues. I got different friends and I got the same issues. It's always the same thing. Yes, you got it. The reason that you're recycling the experiences is because you have not changed your mind, your thinking. Are you with me? Now, now, now here's, the fun, here's, the, here's the crazy thing. You can be in church for a long time and not have the quality of your life match what the scriptures say that you can have. Be saved. Watch this. Be saved on your way to heaven because to be saved is to place your faith in Jesus. Yes, salvation means that we place our, our reconciled and placed into God's family, adopted, brought in, forgiven, by the Spirit of God because of what Jesus has done. If you believe that, you're saved. Not because you do anything. I was, I was, <laughs> I remember this guy came to me. He was like, he's one of these people that believed that you could only be saved if you got baptized. And I was a young disciple and I was super intimidated, David. I didn't even know he was so knowledgeable. He said, yeah, if you get saved, you can only get saved if you get baptized. And I had just read John chapter 21 where the thief on the cross was told by Jesus he was going to paradise. And he was telling me that you got to get baptized. And I said, yeah, what about the thief? Did he get down off the cross, get baptized and then get back on? There's no works that you can offer for your salvation. Your relationship with God is based on Jesus's finished work, period, end of story. Touch your neighbor and say, Jesus did it. So I place my faith in what Jesus did. However, if you ever are going to move into the abundant life, and I'm going to get to this in a minute more distinctly, if you're going to move into abundant life, if you're going to move out of, out of what I would say, the wreckage of your former life, if you're ever going to get free, like free, if you're ever, you can be saved and be bound. You'll be saved on your way to heaven and be bound by the effects of your sin past. 
your sins and the sins of others perpetrated against you. You're saved on your way to heaven. You'd be surprised. I grew up in a church where people were saved and going to heaven because they believed in Jesus, but were mean as the devil. I went to a church, I told the early service, I went to a church once and I was, I was coming in and I had Jocelyn and Keisha and Keith in tow and Coco and I grabbed the door, just like in the back door, I grabbed the door and opened it and it, and it jerked out of my hand, Corey. I was like, oh my gosh, let me... So I grabbed it and pulled it real hard and it was this little lady, usher lady on the other end of the door and she looked at me and she says, we're praying, just wait a minute and shut the door. And I thought, if anybody in this building needs prayer, it's me. Let me in, please. My wife wants me to get prayer. Trust me. And I thought it was just, you know, maybe she having a bad Sunday. Maybe, you know, Keisha, she was mean like that till she went to be with Jesus. <laughs> Notice what I just said. Mean, but going to see Jesus. Yeah, because your transformation is going to happen in partnership with the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to consistently surrender yourself to the Spirit's working in your life and to learn new habits, new disciplines, new mentalities, new responses, new appetites, new everything. Your whole life is going to be trans. That's what metamorpho means in, in, in uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 when it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That transformation is a complete metamorphosis. When you see metamorphosis in nature, you're talking about a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Something completely different, a whole completely different form. Do you realize that when you get saved, you have the potential, say potential, no, no, say it loud. Say potential. potential. You have the potential to be a completely different person. That when people see you, they're like, oh my God, Corey, is that you? And you're like, yeah, that's me. It's like, my God, you look so different. What happened to you talking? Your attitude, you, the way you are is just different. You're like, yeah, I don't know what it is. The only thing I've done is I've, I've led Jesus into my heart and I'm following him and I'm reading my Bible. I'm worshiping, I'm serving, I'm doing all this stuff. And because of that, you've changed. Can't tell somebody you changed. They tell you that. If you're telling me I changed, I changed, I changed, you haven't changed. It's for me to tell you, oh my gosh, look at you. You're different. You're in a completely different place than you were last year. You'd be surprised how many Christians are in the same exact place emotionally, economically, everywhere as they were five, ten years ago. They're in church every Sunday. Every Sunday. Sitting in church, serving on teams, but never getting renewed. Never being transformed. Never coming out. Say come out. Do you know that you and I don't think like God thinks? Oh, let me read it to you. Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts about everything and everyone are not your thoughts. So when you think you got a good thought, just know that's not God's thought. Unless you can line it up to the scripture. How many times you had a good thought that was God, but the way you executed that thought wasn't God? Yeah, I've, I've been on, you know, the couch a couple times because... Maybe I was on the right side of the argument. What's your name, man? Brother right there. What, Chris? You married? Yeah, uh-huh. Have you ever been on the right side of the argument, but you didn't win? Yeah, man. Come on, bro. It's ridiculous because you had the right thought, but the wrong way. See, I told you, God took the trash out. I help you all the time. How many times have you 
known what God said, but didn't execute it with the right heart, the right time. Nothing came out right. That's because my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens, listen to this, are as higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I don't think like God. My actions, strategies, plans do not function the way that God would. That's why we need godly counsel and we need confirmation from other believers. That's why we live in community because I don't know about you, but my heart, my mind, I can talk myself into anything. Isn't that funny? How many of you ever talked yourself into dating the wrong person? Everybody around you was telling you he was a loser and you kept saying, no, but God, I just got a heart for him. And, and, and then you start getting all spiritual. It's about biceps and everything else. But you make it, oh, I just feel the spirit when I'm around him. <laughs> feel the spirit. Okay. You feel the spirit when you're around him. I know what spirit it is. Hello. <laughs> Isn't it funny though? Because we start doing that spiritual stuff. And it don't even match anything in scripture. You're like, I know that's who God has for me. Oh, does he? Okay, so is he saved? Does he go to church? Does he have a pastor? But I know he's the one that God has for me. How is that possible? Can't change your life without first changing your thinking. Stop talking to me about all the stuff that you said God said and he going to do this type. Nope, stop it. You can't change your life until you change your thinking. You just can't. In fact, if you looked at your life right now, it is the products of the thoughts you've held in your mind and you are moving toward them. If we could just take a USB cord right now and plug it into you and then plug it into the screen and run your thought life about you, not about anything else. Just run your thought life. We're going, to, we're going to plug you in, USB, and we're going to project up there all of the thoughts that you think about yourself. I'm a failure. Nobody loves me. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm not smart enough. I'm too black. I'm too not. Whatever it is, there it is. And if that's your thought life, how in the world will you ever live an abundant life in Christ? If that's how you think. Because that's, now if you go back from there, because how you think about you is a direct reflection of what you think about God as well, by the way. Because once I start rightly seeing God and thinking about him correctly, then it helps me to rightfully appraise who I am in him. So when I understand, if nothing else, if I understand, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 139. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And if I say anything about myself contrary to fearful and wonderfully made, then I'm in contradiction to what God said about me. And if that's the case, why is that? I might have a thought or two about it. Are you ready? You want to get into this? Jesus rescued and saved us, but we're damaged. Say, I'm damaged goods. Touch somebody next to you and say, I'm damaged goods. And touch your neighbor, the one who just said that to you, say, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Why do you think we have to be long-suffering and gracious? Because we're dealing with each other. And if I will be long-suffering and gracious with you, you'll be long-suffering and gracious with me. We reap what we sow, amen? Colossians 1 and 13 says this. 
For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Now listen, this is Jesus. Rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So we've been literally, how many of you know that you've been snatched out of one kingdom? How many ever felt like you were going down for the last time, didn't know what was going to happen, and the grace of God came and swept you into the kingdom of God, and you were planted in his house? Come on, in his family. You've been adopted, you were orphaned, maybe physically, biologically, and orphaned in the way you come from, but the love of God pierced that veil, came into your heart, and you found you were adopted and placed in God's family. Yes? That doesn't mean you don't still wrestle with feelings of abandonment, rejection, all of the stuff, the wreckage. There's a truth that is God saved. God placed us in his family. And the wreckage of having been an orphan is still very present. Very present. All of us have committed sins. Yes? All of us. And how many of you have had sin perpetrated against you? Yeah, God forgave all of that. But guess where the wreckage of that lies? You're spiritually born again, John 3 and 3. We're born again of the spirit, made alive in Christ. The minute you place your faith in Jesus, your spirit man came alive. However, your soul, where your mind, your will, where you reason, where you think, where you feel, all of that is where the wreckage of your former life lives. To this day, that wreckage lives. And most of us as Christians have done like I used to do when I was cleaning up my room. We just kind of picked up the rug and swept all of that past stuff underneath the rug and patted it down and stepped on it and just tried to live our life. And somebody came into your life, you got married, and they said, hey, you know that there's like stuff under there, right? And because you, you got married to them, you start bumping into it. Come on, somebody. You start bumping into it and all of a sudden they got attitudes and appetites and habits and responses that come from a former life. Y'all not talking to me. <laughs> the culture has you so conscious of your image. You know, it's funny. Every, anybody ever try to take a selfie and you got to take five minutes before you can get like it's seven ladies and three guys and everybody's getting their hair together and trying to, get the, you know, it's like good grief. We can't even get the picture taken because everybody's so conscious of how they're going to look. I can't even get my leg right. The ladies get your leg all the, the, the right way when you're trying to get, get a picture. Because you want to look. Here's what I would like for East Hill to do. Stop being so doggone concerned about what you look like to other people. And be concerned about the inner reality of who you really are before the Lord. I don't care what you look like in front of these people. You look like a homeless person in front of these people. But inside, David said in Psalms 51 and 10, Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. So busy curling our hair putting on the right clothes and looking the right part. And God is like, "Mm -mm, I see all that external stuff that you got on Instagram. That's not the real you. I love and died for the real you broken, addicted, struggling, insecure, rejection issues, abandonment issues. I died for you so that you could come out of that place, not so you could put makeup on it and a religious veneer and look like you got abundant life and never go into it. Sing about it, talk about it, victories, and never experience any of it. That is not Christianity. That is religion. 
That's a religious spirit where you talk. Oh, my God. You know, listen, I went to church for every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday. And people would fall out on the floor, shout, amen. Well, pastor, glory to God. And I don't mind a good amen. Hallelujah. And I don't mind you falling out on the power of God. I can't, I can't dictate what God does. But please, when you get up, live a transformed life. Incrementally. Come on, somebody. Don't talk about confess things that you don't live. Don't talk about confess things that you don't walk in. And don't talk about things that God, you know, that God hadn't delivered you from. It would be better if you, I used to tell our church all the time, Arlen, in L.A. I said, please bring the real you to church every week. That broken, addicted, struggling, honest version of you. Bring that person to church and come to the altar and be ministered to and have hands laid on you and live in the community as a flawed person and stop trying to act like something you are not. If we could stop acting, maybe we could have a move of God. Look at y'all, y'all quiet. Okay, let me, let me give an example. Exodus, the Exodus of Israel. If you want to understand what I'm talking about, go back to the book of Exodus and journey with them all the way through the book of Numbers, just to the book of Numbers, because it'll be, it'll illuminate what I'm saying to you. Exodus chapter three, God says these words to Moses about Israel. He says, I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptian. Exodus chapter three and verse eight. And bring them up out of the land and into a good and spacious land and a land flowing with milk and honey and the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So in other words, God came down, confronted Pharaoh in Egypt, delivered Israel out. How many know getting out wasn't a problem for God? That took no time. God got them out, dealt what he wanted to do with Pharaoh, brought them out. Bringing them out wasn't the hard part. And Moses is a type of Christ in the New Testament. In other words, Moses is a deliverer to bring God's people out. In, in, a, in, a, in a metaphoric sense, that's what I'm doing here at Gresham. I'm preaching so that God's people might come out and to go out to worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen? And walk in the fullness of God. He kept saying, I'm taking them to a land that flows with both milk and honey. In other words, I'm taking them to their own property. I'm taking them to a place of their own, a place of freedom, a place of independence, a place of dignity, a place of virtue. I'm taking them to their own land. You've been a slave for 430 years. Been a slave, building somebody else's city. You were commodified. You were building their cities. You were treated harshly. Now I'm bringing you out. Okay, so they're out. But they had been there for four centuries. I just said that. So that means they had adapted to abuse. That means they were conditioned by harsh treatment for four centuries. Nobody had any independence. Nobody had experienced prosperity. Everybody had experienced loss. And you got to think about your own story and lay your story next to Israel's story. You haven't been in bondage for 430 years. Maybe it's 40 years. Maybe it's 40 days. I don't know what it is. But all of you here have had negative experiences in your life. Lift your hands, you had a negative experience. All right, now put your hand down. How many had a negative experience that you know for a fact is impacting you today? Okay, you guys are much more honest than the nine o'clock service. I just want you to know, let me see. I'm joking, I'm joking. They're gonna see this and say, I, was, I raised my hand. So the brain works. It's beautiful the way the brain works because when you're in abusive, difficult, 
situations, the brain figures out a way to help you make sense and to survive whatever it is. Human beings have the wonderful ability to adapt to almost any set of circumstances. I, re- I remember this very plainly with some of the ladies in my family who were used to men abusing them, used to men being violent with them, used to men cheating on them. And so they began to be conditioned by these experiences and never expected a man to be truthful, honest, loving, sacrificial. And you got to think about your own story while I'm talking. I think you already are. Where you're like, my God, I'm free. I'm in a different place. I go to East Hill. I come at 1130. But my life is not changing to match what I'm hearing. How come I'm not having more peace? How come there isn't more joy? How come I have all of these memories and issues going on in my life? How come I'm so insecure? How come I'm always a victim? How come in every situation I got to give the list of reasons why people need to cater to me and I'm never responsible for my own choices because my mom, it's my dad, it's my past, it was the drugs, it was this. No, it was you. And an ordered mind begins and a renewed mind begins to say, It's me and God is helping me, working through me. I'm sorry, I'm going to get better. That's what a a renewed mind says. A victim's mentality always rehearses what people did to them. There's poverty mentalities. Well, you got a poverty mentality, which means it has maybe two extreme uh, expressions. One is, is that you hold every dollar so tightly. You got money. But you hold it so tight that you ain't going to do nothing. You ain't buying nothing. You ain't getting no vacations, no good times, nothing. We got to hold on our money. That's how my grandfather was. You know why? Because he had lived through the Great Depression. Because he lived through the Great Depression, he felt like at any moment, money could disappear. And what do we do? And you know what's funny? When he died, I kid you not, this is the true story. I didn't tell the early service this. You're You're lucky. When he died and we started going through his house, we found, how many remember Maxwell House cans, the coffee, when they used to be aluminum? He had a bunch of those with rubber tops on them, with money rolled up in it all over the house, about 80 grand in the house when he died. You know why? His mentality. He never could believe or trust that the government or the, or the banks or investments would ever take care of his money. So he kept $80,000 in the house. It was actually 79.50 something, but you understand. How many of you have adapted mentalities based on your past experiences and you're not fully loving or embracing or being loved by God, loving yourself or able to love others because of what's happened to you? You've carried that mentality into your present. All of us have. Now, let me say this to you. How many of you know that you've survived some things in your life? Like you're a survivor, you're here, right? And, and here's what I want you to stop doing. Stop identifying, celebrate, I survived. God saved me, brought me to this point, celebrate that. But there's something better than being and having an identity as a survivor. It's that I survived and now I'm thriving in Christ. I'm not just holding on, I didn't just get through. Now I'm going on to abundant life and experiencing the fullness of all that God has for me. Now give the Lord praise. Come on. Come on. So Israel came out, but they never went in. That generation that came out, Corey, in Israel, in Exodus chapter 3, travels with God, gets the sacrifice, gets the Ten Commandments, always wanted to go back. 
By the way, when they got to the Red Sea, it was like, is this the reason that you brought us out so we could die in the wilderness? This is why God's like, no, I got a plan. They didn't know that God was going to open the sea up. How many know that the father you serve now can do anything for you? Touch your name and say anything. He can do anything. And then listen, we saying I'm going to see a victory. You said when? Just hold on long enough. Just hold on long enough. He's going to give you the victory. Just hold on. How many of you have gotten some victory over things that took a while? Just hold on. Say it. Say it out loud. Hold on. Red Sea. God fed them with water from a rock, gave them water from a rock when they were thirsty, rained bread from heaven, gave them quail when they wanted meat, opened the Red Sea, they walked on dry land. I mean, all you got to do is look back over your shoulder and see how God has brought you through so many things. You wouldn't even be here today if it wasn't for the Lord. Don't give that credit to a, to a therapist or somebody else. If it had not been for the Lord that was on your side, you would have perished. But God, say, but God. Okay, so God brought you this far. Why not go all the way in? Why, why, why not say, you know what? I've been on this side too long. I've been lonely too long. I've been scared of people too long. I've been threatened by people too long. I've been insecure too long. I've been impoverished too long. My life has been substandard too long. I refuse to do time in church and not have Jesus transform me from the inside out. Come on. This message right here could change your generations. You know how I know? Because it changed mine. You ain't the only one that's been abused. You're not the only one that's been abandoned. Stop thinking you're the only one, and you're just so much more of a victim than anybody else. And that's not to diminish what you went through. I'm just telling you that everybody's got a story. Everybody you meet's got a story. How come some people are winning and you're not? How come some people are getting free and getting prosperity and got relationships and people love them and they're moving on and they got one job for 30 years, not one job every 30 days? What, what is that? Why, why are some people more stable and, and, and Christ and, and they can somehow have joy and they're not regulated by everything and they're not scared of everything? What is that? Rooted and built up in the soil of the kingdom of God. You don't get that just by sitting in church saying amen. You get that by going home and digging wells called salvation wells in your own home. Like look around your house. Think about it for a minute. How much dominion does God have in your house? Really, how much dominion does God have where you live? That means what do you watch? What do you seek? What do you listen to? Is God comfortable in your house? Is he listening to you? When you date, are you dating in an accountable relationship? Or are you in compromise? All of these things start dictating the quality of your life begins to tell me where you're planted. What's your habits are? Say habits. First, we make our habits and then our habits make us. Your life is the evidence of your habits and your thought processes. What are you thinking on a continual basis? What are your thoughts about yourself? The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that we're not to copy the behaviors of this world, but let God, say let God. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect, renewed thinking. There's this scientific term called neuroplasticity that, that deals with the brain. 
And what it is, is the brain has the ability to rewire and restructure itself. Christianity in Christ, the Bible calls it being renewed in your thinking. In science, it is actually creating different neural pathways in your brain. There are certain things you do habitually without thinking because you have a neural pathway in your mind called a victimization and offense and immediately when something comes it runs right in the neural pathway of offense and there you go offended with somebody again who told you the truth by the way you offended because they told you the truth i didn't like the way they said it and i don't listen get over that that's childish at a certain point you got to get past how the package looked and get to the substance of it was it the truth if it is then yep that's me thank god i'd like you to say it better the next time but i hear it Neural pathways, you don't even know it. It's, it's a subconscious thing. It just happens. You just respond. Right out of all of that trauma, right out of all of that past, your insecure, abandoned, rejection, all of that failure. So all of a sudden, you got a failure complex. Everything you do is going to fail. Well, I don't know if I can do it. And I don't know if I'll be able to succeed. Why not? You're God's child. Why not? You have God's mind. Why not? You have the spirit of God inside of you. So if, even if you struggle at it, God said, don't worry about it. I'm going to come alongside of you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to equip you. I know you say you can't read and you're dyslexic, but I'm the God of the universe. I can help you read. Come on, somebody. I know, Moses, you said you're a man of slow speech, but I made your mouth so I can make it any way I want to. And so why not begin to confess those things over your life? These ladies in my life, my daughter and them, I was talking about y'all in the early service because, you know, she's a young mom and these young moms, I'm listening to them and I have such love and affinity for them because it's so hard to do what they do. I mean, think about it. In our culture, it used to be a time where women raised children and stayed home. The economics are such now that we need almost two incomes. If you're a mom and you don't have to work, you're a rarity and an exception. So women deal with all kinds of stress and traumas and anxieties and all this stuff going on. And they started coming up with this thing called mom brain. I got mom brain, which means I haven't slept. I'm a zombie. I'm walking around with these kids trying to feed them and keep them alive. Come on, y'all. I'm just trying to keep these babies alive this week. And your husband comes home and he's like, what'd you do today? Oh, don't even start. I kept your kids alive. You're about to die, but your kids going to live. I'm going to kill you. But these kids are safe. I kept them alive all day long. But you, my brother, are on the target right now. You're targeted. Why don't you stop saying you have mom brain and I feel like I'm going crazy and I feel like I'm losing my mind. Why don't you stop giving voice to that nonsense? And why don't you start saying, I have a sound mind. I have, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Why don't you start saying, I have the mind of Christ. We've gone through two extremes in the body of Christ, and some of you haven't lived long enough to know this. There was a movement that came through the church maybe 20 years ago called the Word of Faith Movement, and they brought back confessions of our faith and proclaiming different things. And so you couldn't even say, I had a headache. You can't say that because the devil will get access to you. You know, you couldn't even talk about being real about anything. So the pendulum was don't say anything negative. And then we switch the pendulum culturally now where all you confess is what you feel. We all in our feels all the time. What I feel is truth. No, it's not. It's just what you feel. There is truth in the word of God, which doesn't mean you can't say, I feel like this. However, the, mind, the Bible says, come on, say it with me. Say it like a Baptist person. Say the Bible said. No, you didn't say it with attitude. You got to say it like a black Baptist preacher. The Bible said. That's what you ought to get used to saying. 
and stop saying and quoting the stuff that you hear in the culture and start complaining and start giving life to yourself by what you're saying about yourself. When you start thinking, I'm a failure, I'm going to mess this up, blah, 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 you start saying, no, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above him and I believe. I'm the spirit of God. I, the spirit of God dwells in me. His spirit lives in the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. So therefore, when I walk into any room, I'm a majority. Oh, y'all not talking to me. Come on. Come on. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Oh. That's an inside joke. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. (laughs) You are all fired back there. Don't be here next Sunday. Inside joke is I told them I wouldn't go over time, and now I'm seven minutes over. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Watch this. Fix, anchor your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Paul is telling the Philippian church, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Fix my mind. Listen, it's incredibly important that you not fix your mind on Fox News. But it's also important that you not fix your mind on CNN either. Wherever you get your news, it's funny. One man said to me in the foyer, he said, yeah, I look at Fox and then I turn over to CNN to see what I missed. Yeah, because there's both agendas and they're both coming about things from a completely different place. And if you spend all your time looking at Ukraine, the Sudan, Northeast Portland, everything going down. I watch enough news to keep myself informed so I can pray and lead you effectively and so we can minister where we can. But I can't spend my time on that stuff. I learned that during the pandemic. Every day I was turning on the news. How many people died? What's happening? Is it coming? What's the case count in Oregon? And I come to church and come to Arlen. Arlen was like, yeah, it's kind of bad, but God's good. It's kind of bad. Yep, we see it, but God's good. Yep, we see it. It, We're not denying that it exists, but God's above it. God's got a plan. God's got us. And you know what we watch? Each week, we watch God sustain us. We had enough. We did what we were supposed to do, and we were able to bless the city through the pandemic. But I'll tell you, I had a mental breakdown in 2020 because it just overwhelmed me to the point where I couldn't take anymore. And God's like, yeah, you are what you eat. You eat Netflix, you eat the media, you eat the culture, you are that. Or you eat the word of God and you nourish yourself on it on a daily basis. Guess what happens? You get stable, you get faith-filled, you get all that negative stinking thinking gets filtered out as you're before the Lord and you start being hopeful. And people say, oh my God, I remember you used to be Debbie Downer, but now look at you. You used to always talk about, you ever meet somebody and the first thing they tell you is all their ailments? Wouldn't it be great if you met that person six months from now because they've been in the word and they say, man, God's so good. God's been good to me. It doesn't mean you don't have challenges. doesn't mean things aren't going on. It just means I got my mind fixed on things that are above, not things that are below. I want every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. If you say this morning, you say, you know what, and I'm not bringing anybody to the altar, but I do want to pray. If you say this morning, I 
struggle with having an anxious mind. I, anxiety, it just, stuff just overwhelms me from time to time. Lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Anxiety. Okay, stand to your feet right where you are. Stand up. Stand right where you are. Nobody's going to do anything. Just stand right where you are. Mm-hmm. How many of you say, man, I feel like, I feel like I'm going to lose my mind sometimes. It's just stuff. Just my mind won't stop. And I, I feel like I'm going to lose my mind. Lift your hand. Anybody? Stand up right now. If you're already standing, just stand right where you are. That's okay. They said, that's me. The Bible says this, and you can use this as a weapon. It's time for you to stop covering your head and waiting for it to pass and actually start fighting spiritually against it. And here's a weapon you can lose. Philippians 4 and 6 says this. Watch this. Do not be anxious about anything. So then when I got anxiety overwhelming me, I got to go from Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and say, okay, the scripture says to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests made unto God. And then it said the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Well, God, my heart and mind. There it is. When I'm anxious, that's what you got to begin to quote over and over and over. Now look at me, anxious people. Anxious, right? How many know you can change the environment? Why not change the environment? When Keisha was sick and all they brought was bad news into her room. Every single day we're in the hospital, they bring in a bad report. You know what I did? I said, the devil is a liar. I erased a little piece right in front of, on, on the, uh, the dry erase board, right in front of her bed. It was right in front of her, by the way. They would put all this stuff. And I erased one part of it. I said, don't change, don't put anything right here. And I would put a scripture there. So she would have that. And then we said, that's your anchor point. You think that. Keep that in your mind. And then we created an environment in her room through worship where we played worship. Because the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people or dwells in the praises of his people. So if God dwells, how many know anxiety's got to go? If God dwells, depression's got to go. So why not create in your own space at home instead of Netflix and the news and all this other stuff? Why don't you go home and say immediately, I'm turning on some worship to create an environment where God dwells. God dwells here. And when he dwells here, his peace dwells. Joy dwells. Come on. Lift your hands before the Lord right now. Go ahead and talk to him about it for a second. Tell the Lord you need his help. Tell the Lord you need to break certain patterns, certain habits, certain mentalities. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Maybe you're standing in the gap for somebody. Maybe somebody in your family needs this, but they're not here. But you can stand in the gap for them right now. Believe God for them. Amen. Lord, in Jesus' name, we have a sound mind, not a mom brain. We have a sound mind. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And the sound mind means this. He's given you a mind that has been delivered, rescued, salvaged, protected, and brought into a place of safety and security. That's your mind. Not what you think, not what's going on. That's your mind. Amelia is going to send that definition out to all of you tomorrow morning. So when you start speaking over your brain and over your life and your mentality, you're speaking the words of God. Now put your hands down. Look at me for a minute. Now this next one is not spiritual, but it's important and impactful. You must, we must 
discipline our lives to have a daily devotional time with the Lord. Every day you are getting the word of God in your life, in your brain. You are getting God's thoughts about himself, you, people, situations, and it's changing you from the inside out. That's not going to happen because you got goose pimples on the back of your neck. There's some mornings you're going like, I can't stand this. This is driving me nuts. And you got to get up and do it anyway or at night before you go to bed. Whenever the best time is. And you can't make excuses because the reality is you are what you eat. And if you never eat the word of God, you don't have anything to withstand temptations or to fight the devil with. You don't have anything but your own ideas and your own willpower. And how long does that last? Not long. Does that make sense? Here's what I want those of you that are around them to do. Stand up right now and lay your hands on their shoulder and pray for somebody standing on your row right now. Lay your hands on them. Go ahead. You just pray whatever the Lord put in your heart to pray. You pray. You pray. Same thing online. We're praying for you as well. Believe in God, trusting God for you. Right now, wherever you're watching this, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind. As you pray, seek him and get yourself built up in the things of God. The spirit will help you, help you create new patterns, new appetites, new thought processes as you're with the Lord. Yeah. As a family, we surround ourselves with love and loving kindness. There's so many people here that need to belong. And so God, thank you that you're doing a work in us. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, listen, go with God, but make sure you're investing in relationships and you're inviting the God's people to God's house. And don't just leave. Go get a cup of coffee and hang out with some people or get prayer down the front here. If you need more prayer, there's a prayer team down here waiting for you.